the Grace Over Guilt podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Corsi. I'm a registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. This podcast will help you view food and your body in a whole new way. You'll learn how to reject the diet mentality and find sustainable, balanced approaches to your health. You'll find more compassion, love, and most importantly, grace with yourself when it comes to food, your body, and your life. Here's to more grace and no guilt. Are you someone who doesn't know what your hunger cues are and how to honor them? Do you feel like you overeat so often and it's hard for you to gauge your fullness? Well, I'm excited to tell you about my Honor Your Hunger and Fullness mini course. This mini course will give you the tools you need to understand your body's hunger cues, how you can better listen to your fullness, and learn about my signature method I use for all my clients to help them feel nourished when they eat. If you're someone who struggles with these things, this mini course is perfect for you. It's under $50 and going to help you connect with your body. So go ahead, click the link in the show notes to get more information about the course. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Grace Over Guild podcast. I am here with a cold. (laughs) So if my voice is a little bit raspy today, that is why I'm trying to power through this cold. I hope it's not too annoying listening to it, but sometimes, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I got to record this amazing podcast because I have a special guest with me today. I have Cassie here from Embody Health London. She specializes in eating disorders, intuitive eating, and body image, and I'm just so excited for this conversation that we're going to have today. So Cassie, you want to introduce yourself? Definitely. Hi, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. I was just saying, having a quick chat before we started, and I was saying how much I love your podcast name. I think it is such a representation of the outcomes we hope to achieve with our clients. So I love that. Shout out to that. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. I was like, what could this podcast name be? And I have a group coaching program that's called Grace Over Guilt. And I was just like, I'm just going to use that again because it's just such a great, yeah, great emphasis on what we should focus on, give ourselves more grace and less guilt. Definitely. No guilt, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Cassie and I am a dietitian. I live in London, as my company name probably gives away, but I'm actually Australian and I moved to London, oh goodness, nearly four years ago. Wow, and I feel like I've you know been a bit of a hermit as everyone has around the world these last eighteen months, and I've really been kind of buckling down and really supporting my clients through what has been, oh, like one of the most challenging, unexpected years that we, I think, I faced in my lifetime. That's for sure. But I am so excited to speak with you today, and we're going to dive in and have some really great conversations. Yes, I am so excited too. Yeah. I, I know you probably get this all the time, but I love your accent. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm like, I could listen to it all, all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's that funny thing, right? When you, it's your own voice. I right. just cringe listening back to my own voice. So sure, I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. No, it's amazing. It's great. And then you have a business partner or how do you, mm-hmm. Ari, right? Yes, see, definitely. I don't know what you guys call each other. Yeah. Business partners. Or yeah. Business partner works. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Business partner, co-founder. Yeah, definitely. So Ariana is my co-founder and she is Canadian. So we actually met in London about 
now two and a half years ago. Very cool. And yeah, it was really cool. We were both, you know, finding ourselves and <laughs> traveling. And when we first met, we just connected straight away. We had this really weird, weirdly similar life path. We had the same type of relationships. We had like this long-term relationship that, that that it both ended. Then we went traveling. She did yoga. I did Pilates. And then we ended up in London working as dietitians. And that's how we wow. connected over pizza and wine. The best kind I of connection. I love that. The best connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. That is so cool. And then you guys are like, okay, let's start this business together. Let's start mm-hmm. helping empowering women with mm-hmm. you know eating disorders, all that. So how did mm-hmm. that get started? So you had that pizza and wine, and then yeah, we had pizza. <laughs> and the rest is history. No, yes. not quite, not quite. Well, it, so funny enough, when we both moved to London, we actually worked in the same clinic, and this clinic coined itself a lifestyle clinic. And as new dietitians, we've been working in the field for like about a year before, well, me, I had about a year before I moved to London and I was very much trained as a weight centric dietitian. I didn't even hear the words intuitive eating in my master's program through my clinical placements. It was very much numbers in numbers out. And it was very clinical. I worked in hospitals. I worked with people who were quite unwell And it was very much that medical nutrition therapy approach, not a huge amount of counseling, although there was some, there wasn't enough to really upskill as a student. And so I came here with that hat, that kind of weight centric hat on. And I was like, right, I'm going to change the world. I love helping people. I want to help them feel their best, live their best life. Honestly, this is literally like what I thought. And I started working with clients one-to-one in the private practice setting at at this clinic in London. Mm -hmm. And Initially, it was great. We, you know, talked about their kind of past diets, why those past diets didn't work. And we thought, okay, well, don't worry. This is different. This is a lifestyle. (laughs) No no worries. Oh, this hits home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. I I, I cringe. I I cringe at my past self, but you have to have (laughs) compassion for your past self. Anyway, so I worked there for about two years. But over the course of my time there, funny enough, clients who have been in the clinic maybe two or three years ago were coming back and they were like, I did this method. I did this program two years ago, but now I've gained all the weight back and then some. And Mm -hmm. I thought, huh, that's interesting. What's going on here? And so of course, dove into the research, did a lot more CPD, really upskilled my my counseling skills as well, just talking to people. And then learned about intuitive eating, the non-diet approach and health at every size. And it literally flips my world upside down. There is no going back. You can't unsee this once you see this. And I was like, wow, this is mind blowing. I have to change my approach. Now, of course, it couldn't happen overnight. Living in London's expensive. Rent ain't cheap over here. So, you know, I've started to put the works in a kind of the wheels in motion. And after about six months, I ended up, I was able to leave from a financial position and I ended up working inpatient at a mental health hospital. And mm. that's where I was the lead dietitian across three different wards and saw patients with all different types of eating disorders. Yeah. And that was incredible work. I really loved my role there. And alongside that, Ari and I thought, hmm, 
let's give this a go ourselves and see see what happens. And during our time at the hospital, we founded in Body Health London. And honestly, because of the pandemic, our inquiries started to increase around the March-April time in 2020 last year. And so by June last year, I had to go full-time because we were just overwhelmed with the amount of inquiries coming our way. And here we are today. Amazing. Wait, this is so, I feel like our paths were very similar. Like everything that you just said was, you know, you worked as a Embody Health London, right? As like a side Mm -hmm. hustle. Mm -hmm. Sounds like, right? While you were still like, I still need to make money, but I Mm -hmm. don't want to do this for a long term. And good for you for being courageous and like being like, okay, let me just try this. Let me put mm-hmm. my energy towards this, you know, side hustle, this business. And obviously it it panned out, it worked out, which is amazing. But yeah, that literally is very similar to my story where I was like, wow, I can't unsee this. Like now that I'm diving into eating disorders and health at every size and intuitive eating, I don't want to go back to this weight centric weight management type of model, because I know that it doesn't work. People are struggling. They're continuing to struggle. And this, this approach is just not helpful long-term. And so I quit my job last July. So a month after you guys, because yeah, isn't that funny? (laughs) I was working on my business as the side hustle and I was like, all right, now I'm able to do it, you know, financially and super cool. Wow. I didn't realize our stories were that parallel, but, um, literally a month apart. Yeah. A month apart. Yeah. That's so cool. So cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah, like, like you said, once you go you can't go back once you see mm. the health at every size, intuitive eating, eating disorders. It's like, I never want to go to into this space again, or like, or I want to educate people in this space to come to the, you know, the mm-hmm. intuitive eating space. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And you don't realize, you know, through just conversations with friends and family that diet culture is ingrained in all of us. It comes out oh, in yeah. the most subtle ways. And because I'm so immersed in it, I feel like I'm quite sensitive to, to this house yep. of comments. And I'm literally, I feel like I hear it all day, every day. Yep. I mean, not a huge amount because we are just coming out of lockdown, you know, over here yep. in London. Things are just nearly, nearly going back to normal. But you, you hear it, you know, in restaurants about over here, people talking, people in the park, you know, not that I'm eavesdropping, but you know, <laughs> you literally yep. hear this as normal conversation. And so it 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 makes sense as to Unfortunately, dietitians are in that, well, in, in my program, trained from that weight-centric model because even my professors are stuck in diet culture. You know, totally. they are humans before they are dietitians. Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. I think, yeah, for me, the first time I heard about intuitive eating was in my internship, but that was because I looked into it or like, I forget who, you know, introduced me or something or whoever did, but it was because I looked into it, not because I was being educated on it. Actually, no, I do remember it was, we did, there was a health at every size. We had these different classes that we had to take on Mondays. So during the week we would go to the rotations, but on Mondays we had classes and there was someone, um, I think his name is Aaron. I'm going to Aaron Green, I want to say something like that. And he told us about health at every size. And I was just like, eye rolling. I was just like, no, this doesn't make sense. Like, 
crazy. And then I got into it more. I did more research and I was like, oh, this does make more sense. This Mm -hmm. is the approach that we want to have with health and bodies and all of that. So it's totally, it's a great approach, you know, as Mm -hmm. you, as you know, Mm -hmm. isn't that funny, you know, with our education and with our science hat on and knowing all that we know about how the body works and biology and physiology, we still roll our eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, when you first hear it, because it's such a wild concept. And I'm so pleased you said that Jenna, because I'm sure people listening to this when they first discover health at every size or intuitive eating probably have the same approach as you or the same reaction rather. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Whoever's listening out there, we get it. We've been there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it is definitely the way to approach things because it's the lifelong approach. It's really taking care of yourself in a non-restrictive, a, you know, use the the term holistic. Yes. Thank you. you. (laughs) Like that term gets like thrown out, but it really is like, it is holistic. holistic. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. um, thank you for, I was like, what is the word? What's the word? I know. Tip of your tongue. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So yeah. So your background. So obviously, you know, after you became a dietitian, you got into, you know, the weight management centric type of model and then steered away from that. But how was food growing up for you? What was like, food like in your childhood? I love Mm. asking this question to see, you know, how things were growing up with food. Yeah, definitely. God, I don't get asked that 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 often, which is quite interesting. And honestly, when I reflect back on my childhood, I didn't realize how abnormally normal my upbringing was. Okay. So I, looking back, food wasn't really a thing. I didn't really think about it. I didn't think about my body. It was all very normal as, as all kids are yet at some point in their life, there may be those external factors that impact how we think and feel about food, of course. And for some reason, call it luck, genetics, environment, Mm -hmm. upbringing, that was never the case with me. And I have a very privileged position coming from a place where I feel like I have been an intuitive eater before that word was really even coined Yeah, (laughs) growing up as a a kid. And yeah, yeah, it's funny. And because as a child, your world is so small, you think everyone has the same upbringing that you do. Why do people care about food? Why do people care about their weight? That's so bizarre. Like I don't care about food or my weight. And honestly, I believe that was because my mum had a really normal relationship with food. She got me in the kitchen cooking lots when I was younger. There was nothing off limits. There were definitely rules because kids need rules, right? We like, you know, can't just be out till midnight at eight years old. So there are rules and and there there is structure, but it was quite loose structure. And so we're allowed to have like a can of soft drink here and there. I can have an ice cream when I wanted an ice cream. It wasn't really a thing. Because I was allowed to have whatever I wanted to have, lo and behold, I didn't eat that much ice cream or Coca-Cola because I didn't fancy it every single day, believe it or not. So Mm -hmm. yeah, honestly, I was raised knowing now, knowing what I do and speaking to my amazing clients, how privileged yet how uncommon Mm -hmm. that childhood is. And it breaks my heart. And that empowers me. I'm like, right, I have this 
this privilege, this honor, this joy of having a normal relationship with food, I need to help others get there too, because life is so incredible, you know, traveling and culture and relationships and living your life without worrying about food. I mean, sure, like you think about food, that's normal to to think about food in in some degree, but it doesn't consume my life. It just adds to my life in a wonderful way. And if I can pass that on to one person, oh, my life is complete. Makes me happy. (laughs) Yes, I agree. That is so awesome. That's good to Mm -hmm. know. So you definitely had a healthy relationship with food growing up Mm -hmm. in your body and cool to see like how there wasn't like this strong attachment to food because it was so just normalized. It wasn't something that you felt like you couldn't have, or there was like a lot of restriction or, you know, negative emotions when it comes to food. It was pretty, it was pretty um, steady, which is really great. That's Mm, awesome. Definitely. And that's how it was role modeled to me Mm, as well. I mean, sure. I think my mom went on the odd diet here and there as did majority of baby boomers right yeah. like growing up in that era but I didn't really take notice I didn't it wasn't really spoken about and it wasn't ever for that long it was maybe after a holiday my, my mom thought okay maybe I'll just I won't drink for a couple of weeks now for example sure. so it made like a couple of changes like that but yeah it, it wasn't anything that was really spoken about in my household that's awesome mm. that's great yeah raising intuitive eaters is right <laughs> what we need <laughs> Yes, yes, totally. I'm like, mom, can you write a handbook? Whatever you did works. So what did you do? I'll pass it on. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How we speak about food and the external influences that we get Mm. around food is, is so, so, so important. So awesome. Yeah. Good to know how your upbringing was and any, you know, recent challenges that a client has had that you would like to share just so people, I guess like we love to do a little bit of storytelling or just Mm. make it applicable in that way. So any challenges a client has had in any way that you've kind of helped them work through that challenge? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my goodness. I had to kind of close my eyes there for a minute and visualize who my clients are and what they're all up to at the moment. (laughs) I know. I know. It's sometimes hard to keep track of like, okay, this person's here, there. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, One that comes to mind, I mean, I do have a couple of clients who are more long-term. So I've been Mm -hmm. working with, I would say, half the clients on my caseload at the moment, I've been working with for six to 12 months. Yeah. And those are generally more of the restrictive type eating disorders. Now, this client that comes to mind is absolutely amazing. She's such a warrior. And she came to me at 30 years old with a rich history of anorexia. Mm. She was first diagnosed, I believe around 16. So 14 years of living with anorexia and never really getting the treatment that she needed. Mm -hmm. What's quite sad about this story is that her parents turned almost this kind of blind eye to her experience Mm. and thought if they just pushed her into therapy, the problem would go away. They never spoke about it. It was never a conversation. It was never, hey, how are you feeling? How can we help you? How can we support you? And so she kind of recovered by herself in a way. And so over her first 10 years of living with anorexia, she got herself to a healthy weight. She had on and off therapy here and there. 
And she ended up meeting her husband. She fell in love and they got married, of course. Like I think it happened quite quickly. And she said that that relationship was a huge pivot in her life. Mm. So fast forward, I think she was about 30 when she came to me. Yeah. And she told me about her history and she had just completed six months of Herbalife. Oh. And uh, yeah, Herbalife, right, for those who don't know, it's a, a diet, you know? Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But with a pyramid, but, but like more of a pyramid scheme. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Than for sure. And yeah. do you know what the really messed up thing is, which is not just this occasion, but happens in all types of these programs, is that my client believes that her coach at, on Herbalife was in recovery from an eating disorder. Wow. Was probably selling this restrictive type plan and projecting her own beliefs. And so this is where, just as a quick side note to people listening, it is so important to make sure the person you're seeking support from is qualified in doing so because there are so many health coaches and nutritionists and whatever else the label might be. And some of them are definitely legit. Of course they are. I know some amazing recovery coaches who we actually work with at the Body Health London. Um, to help our clients for day-to-day living. Mm-hmm. However, these types of coaches are everywhere and they don't have a code of conduct to abide by. They don't have to meet certain ethics or laws. You know, if, if you and I say the wrong thing, Jenna, I mean, definitely for me, I can get struck off. Yep. We have to take care of our clients. It's super important. And so that, that unfortunately is super, super normal. And so my client came to me with with this history and was just coming off Herbalife and was looking for something to give her this sense of purpose in a way. And when we first started talking, I, I felt like the realization that she has been suffering and living with anorexia for the last 14 years, me saying that out loud finally validated her experience Mm. because she never got that validation from anyone. Yeah. Right. So she of course works with me and a therapist and she also has a wonderful personal trainer now who is health every size aligned personal trainer and helps her just generally with with her mindset around exercise, which is fantastic. So we've got a great team on board, but it's, yeah, it's it's a really interesting story. And I feel so many people I speak with, including this client, come to me or come to therapy for the very first time where it's been a secret for mm-hmm. five, 10, 15 years. And it's something that's been a burden in their life for such a long time. And lots of shame associated, right? Mm, that's hiding so much shame. Kind of, yeah, lots so of shame. So much shame. Yeah. Oh, it, honestly, it, it breaks my heart because there is no shame in seeking support. Right. This is not your fault. This isn't something that has been done to you. This is not a choice, right? And there's such a common misconception that these that an eating disorder is a choice. It is not a choice. Right. It's a very complex. It's a complex psychiatric illness that warrants seeking support and you are worthy of treatment. Absolutely. If you're listening to this, please, 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 you are so worthy of treatment. 
another side note. Yes. Now, no, it's yeah. so true. Thank you. Yes. And with this client, so I've been working with her for just over six months now, and we are in such a great place. We have moved off the meal plan. She is yeah. eating intuitively. She is really challenging herself. She does have the meal plan there as like her safety net to, sure. to something to kind of fall back to if she feels like it's a, it's a challenging day. But generally speaking, she's doing so well. And we met last week. And she said to me, if I'm honest, I'm having these cognitions creep back in around my exercise being for aesthetic goals only. Mm. And I want to achieve a certain physique. And I said to her, hmm, that's super interesting. Can I ask where that's coming from? And she said, well, I follow this person online who has or was living with anorexia. And now she, from what I could see, seemed to be like a personal trainer or one of those, what do you call them? Like influencers yeah. who, who promote a certain gym wear line. Yeah. Right. And and her body was looking, promoting a certain physique where her glutes were quite large, her waist was quite small. And, you know, this really, in my opinion, a super unrealistic standard. And so I've got my client looking at this, this before and after photo. And we spoke about how important it is to create your social media feed so that it steers away from any weight-centric or body-centric content. Mm-hmm. Because in my opinion, no matter what the before and after photo is, even if it's pre-recovery, post-recovery, it still represents, it still has that kind of underlying assumption that your body equals health and how you look is your way that you feel valid and worthy. And it's so not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. That is so common. I feel like a lot of my clients too feel the same way or just like, you know, I'm like social media cleanse, do the social media cleanse because mm. it's so important. Oh my God. You're constantly bombarded with these before and after pictures, whether it's like, yeah, like better, you know, I don't even know how to word it, but like someone is saying like, oh, this is how I looked before. And this is how I looked after in like a healthier way. Even I, I'm using air quotes right now because we're, we're so used to seeing you know, someone losing, you know, before is like them in a larger body and then they lose weight. Like th- we know those are so harmful. Right. But also like even the, the gaining weight or gaining muscle. Cause it's like, it's saying that this body size, the, the after is the body size that people should pursue, or this is the, the goal. And that's just, it's so harmful. Any mm-hmm. type of before and after picture I believe is harmful. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely agree. And mm. I mean, what what it is almost telling us is that the body or the female body in, in this situation is objectified. Yes. And it is looked at through that male gaze. Yep. It's sexualized. Yep. It's that unrealistic beauty standard that is swirling around at the moment. And when you really break it down, it's harmful because it is no matter what the photo is, it is objectifying the body as something to be looked at as opposed to something that we need to live in and experience life and telling us that that's our kind of passport for life, which is so not true. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Oh, it's so true. 
like putting out all these images of bodies and like, this is, it's like, that's what makes you worthy. But we know that that's not true. Like your body size, shape, whatever you look like, doesn't make you worthy. It's who you are, who makes that makes you worthy. And that, that shows your, your character and why people love you and just your experiences and all that. Yeah. It's, it's, crazy harmful. And just like, even it's getting me like worked up a little bit. Oh no. Yeah. But like objectifying women, we know that that's never a good thing, but you know, women doing it to themselves and, or objectifying themselves without even realizing it, you know, I don't think they mean it in a harmful way. They're probably thinking, Oh, I'm encouraging people and all that, but it can be so, so harmful to these women who are like striving to get healthier in a not in a body size shape, but healthier in their mind, it can be really harmful to see those images. Mm, mm, Definitely. And this is absolutely just to make it clear, no shame to anyone out there. Um, Oh, I've done the body pictures. I've done the, there's no shame with it, but yeah, it's just like, (laughs) oh yeah, we need to steer away from it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like the culture is changing, which is positive. I mean, for example, Jenna, like if you used to do it, now you don't. Great. There's one less person doing it now, for example. (laughs) And hopefully people listening to this might think, oh yes. Okay. I'm going to go through and just do a bit of a detox. You know, you don't have to unfollow if that's like a friend of yours but maybe mute it mm-hmm. or think about when you're viewing the content, how do you feel? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a really good point. And how all these images or things that people post on Facebook, wherever people are posting, how they can really influence us and how they influence it, how they influence how we think about things and mm. how we maybe get like triggered by things. I don't know if, do you have any other client experiences or any other, maybe even advice for people to kind of let those things put up a wall, I guess, or set some boundaries essentially is what is, mm. it is, is set those boundaries with your social media. So it doesn't get overwhelming with all the information that they're receiving. Yeah, definitely. And there's so much information, isn't there? Oh I, look, I'm a dietitian and I would say I have a healthy relationship with food and even I get overwhelmed. Same. I'm like, Same. I'm like, whoa, hold on. Let me just Google that. Is that actually yeah. true? Yeah. <laughs> like, I agree. I'm like, I need to get off social media. This is just too much. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it's exhausting because what social media does is it sends us down that comparison trap. And we we, we get trapped in that comparison trap. Mm -hmm. And I, that happens to me frequently, whether it be maybe where I am in my life, different. Mm -hmm. And my, and one of my friends is getting married. I mean, well, I'm not married. Oh my Mm -hmm. goodness. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And, you know, just as an example that can go on and on and on. And when we think about looking at social media or mass media as a whole. And I'm talking more about influencers now. So as opposed to my friends who I follow online, because I think they're pretty good people, most of them. Yeah. Um, but we think about kind of the, the influencer and this new way of interacting with products and the consumer, they are marketing something to you. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I encourage my clients to think about is, get curious with the intention behind what this person is doing. And majority of the time it comes back to making money Yep, (laughs) at the end of the day. Mm. And we consume things. Um, 
we consume content quite passively. We're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, but that's feeding our subconscious mind and reinforcing thoughts or beliefs that we have about ourselves already of not being good enough, of not being worthy. And what you view every single day on social media, in my opinion, has a way bigger impact than you give it credit for. Absolutely. Which is why curating that feed to represent body diversity, follow fat positive accounts, follow dietitians with credentials in intuitive eating. So you get that constant reinforcement, as we call it, that convincer strategy. We need to be exposed to something time and time and time again to eventually be convinced that it's the right thing for us. Mm -hmm. And what you're looking at every single day is either feeding into that or leading you down the path or keeping you stuck in that disordered self, in that eating disorder self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it social media, I, I watched a thing on Netflix. Social media is addicting or like the scrolling, the mm. all of that. It is supposed to be this addicting thing that you just like want to keep doing. And I, I think I agree with you. Like if you're going to continue to be on it, make sure that it is moving you in a more positive direction or helping you in some way. But I found too, that when I get off social media for a week's time. One, the first couple of days, it's hard to like not go on it because, right, it's just like an automatic thing that I just like click Instagram, scroll, scroll, scroll. But once I get off of it for a while, I'm like, shoot, I have so much more time to do <laughs> so many other things that just make me feel so much more whole rather than, yeah, feeling the comparison. I, I agree with what you said about like, you know, people getting married, engaged, like comparing their travels, comparing like just all these comparisons that we can see from other people. But something that my mom says, which is true in terms of like life experiences is life unfolds as it should. So your life is unfolding as it should. You can't compare yourself to somebody else because you're meant to be where you are right now, which can be a really hard thing to grasp. But I think, yeah, getting rid of or like doing a social media cleanse or getting off of it for a while can be really beneficial to anybody, not somebody that just struggles with, you know, disordered eating, body image, all that, but just anybody. So all of us, that's yeah. it. And, and that's, I mean, what you're highlighting there is that we are all vulnerable. Yes. We are all like mental health is fluid and we are all vulnerable to being impacted and having a negative association and then thinking negatively about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that from your mom. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mrs. Corsi. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah. Die, die. <laughs> she's the best. I think she got that from her aunt. So like my great aunt, but I, she's passing it down and I love, love it. it. <laughs> love it. Where's the wisdom? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So any other tidbits on how we see or the external influences. I always say external influences. Like those are so important, whether it's like calories, whether it's the body image, whether it's social media. So I love how we're talking about social media so much. I think it's so important for us as dietitians to see how impactful social media is to our clients. But is there anything else that you would suggest or any other tips that you would give anybody who's listening? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Jenna, honestly, so many. So let's try and keep it short and sweet. So I guess what could be helpful is 
instead of focusing on what not to do, mm-hmm. here we are saying, don't use social media. Right. Like, okay. Well, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hard to do. I like to focus on what we can do instead, because right. I believe energy flows where focus goes. And Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure who, who and where that quote came from. So I'm sorry if I'm not quoting, quoting. So good. The, yeah, apologies, but one of my favorites because it's so true. And when we spend time focusing on ourselves, mm. focusing on reconnecting to our internal wisdom, that's where our energy does stay and flow and go. And one of the key steps in recovery is reconnecting to our body's internal wisdom and having this sense of embodiment. You know, Embody House London mm. didn't yes. come out of yeah. <laughs> And embodiment is this sense of being and feeling at home in your body, mm. feeling safe and secure in your body. And that can feel really difficult and really far away for a lot of people. I, I really respect and understand that. And at the same time, we can take small steps to start to reconnect and rebuild that trusting relationship with ourselves. So, for example, let's say you have had this friend in your life for the last 10 years. And every single day, this friend of yours has said to you, oh, you suck. Oh, you're so bad at that. Oh my goodness. What are you wearing? You are such a bad person. Are you really going to say that? And just imagine this negative dialogue between you and this friend. And then tomorrow she wakes up and she says, Jenna, you're so great. I think you're the best person ever. You're going to be like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Where where did that come from? You've just been telling me for 10 years that I'm, I suck. And now you're telling me that you love me. That feels uncomfortable. I don't believe you. Do I I trust you? I don't trust you. Yeah, definitely not. So that's why going from having a really difficult relationship with your body, feeling unsafe in your body to then loving your body and loving yourself tomorrow, it's unrealistic and it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we want to find that sweet spot in those early stages as we are building a healthy and positive body image and focusing on body function and being grounded and connected to your body is such a great place to start. And so practicality, That might look like when you go for a walk, you notice the power of your feet in the pavement, the power of your quads driving you through the earth. When you do your yoga pose, you notice the strength in your arms holding up that that downward dog and really notice the power in your fingers. When you're in the kitchen, you're noticing how you're able to read a recipe and do three things at once and have the kids in the background yelling at you. You know, you're doing all these amazing things at the same time. And the, the, like the, the list goes on there. Yeah. And when you bring it back to function and ability and focus on what you are able to do every single day, how your body enables you to live your life, it can be a wonderful place to come back to and really grounding. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I love this so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. The I, I tell clients that all the time. Like you can't go from like hating your body to loving your body. Like that's so extreme. So mm-hmm. how can we really mm-hmm. find some respect or appreciation for your body and those things that you just said, just bringing more awareness to your body and recognizing mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm doing so much like as I walk, like I can connect with my body here. And those little things that you're doing that you're acknowledging will 
build this trust over time Mm because like we want to bridge the gap, right? So it's the small little things that you can do to start to trust yourself a little bit more. Definitely. And forgive yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that brings it back to that client I was telling you about previously Mm -hmm. and how she's having these troubling thoughts around wanting to change her body type and exercising only to look a certain way. And so we brought it back to, okay, where does that all come from? What is influencing these thoughts and how, I know it's challenging and how can we focus on what your body is enabling you to do? Mm -hmm. Because we can, it can kind of run away from us and we can forget the bigger picture. When we're in recovery, we can think of day-to-day is being very microscopic, you know, just this one workout to get this one result. And we think about recovery is like a bigger picture. It's that telescopic point of view. It's looking at your life as a whole Mm -hmm. and your body is carrying you through this life. It's allowing you to move. It's allowing you to challenge yourself and enjoy how you feel in your body. Mm -hmm. And getting to that place definitely takes time. However, it's so worth it. Yeah. So worth it. Totally. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for this. This was so helpful or just this last point. I just really love, I love, I love talking about the social media and just like how we can feel better around that, but also what you just said, the embodiment. I, I love that word and I love mm. the, your business name. I love yeah. that name. That's so great. Wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, just to wrap up, is there anything else? I mean, I wanted to talk about TikTok because you guys are killing it on TikTok. (laughs) It's so fun. (laughs) I I guess that's how we first connected, right? Yeah, that's how we first connected. Yeah, that's how we first connected. I saw you guys. I was like, all right, these girls got some moves. Yeah. (laughs) Because you guys like doing the dancing ones too. That's what we were all about. The dancing plus like information, right? So Mm -hmm. so fun. So fun. You know, what it honestly was a lifesaver in lockdown last year oh yeah for I, sure. you know you, you got to every Wednesday Ari and I would do right let's do some TikTok dances oh, and it would be my favorite day of the week got to yeah. listen to music and dance and just have a great time you know living in our body and so honestly such a joy spreading our message like that in a really fun and relatable way Totally. Yeah. You guys are so good with that. I love checking out your TikToks. Yeah. (laughs) They're great. You guys are doing great. Ditto. Um, Ditto. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Super fun, but awesome. Well, thank you for jumping on here today. Is there any last words that you have for those who are listening, who maybe need some encouragement? Obviously you've been a huge encouragement throughout this whole podcast episode, but anything else that you would leave with them? Oh, Jenna, put me on the spot at the I know. (laughs) (laughs) What what would I say? I would say I coming back to comparison, Mm -hmm. stay in your own lane. Mm -hmm. And when you're on recovery or even in this healing journey, you're going to encounter people who are in different stages of their journey. And what is right for them is probably not right for you. Yes. And know that you are a unique, complex, special human being. And ultimately, you know what is best for you. No one else. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. It's so true, (laughs) though. 
focus on you and what you're doing. Don't put the blinders on a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah. Stay in your lane. Stay. Stay I know it's lane. easier said than done. Yeah, you know, yes. <laughs> my own advice, please. I'll apply that to myself now. I well. know. I feel <laughs> the same. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So where can people find you on social media, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, website? Yes. Yes, of course. Well, Ari and I have actually been uh, coined the dancing dietitians yes. by TikTok UK. So we are mental health, well-being ambassadors in the UK on TikTok and they Love give us that. the name Dancing Dietitians. So that's our hashtag on TikTok. So you can find us at Embody Health London, but London is spelled L-D-N. Mm. On Instagram, we are Embody Health London underscore. You can check out more about us on our website, embodyhealthlondon.com. And we also released our podcast last week and our podcast is called Nourishing Thoughts. And our aim is for that podcast to be your go-to recovery podcast. And we release episodes twice a week on Tuesday and Thursday. And we talk about experts in the field of recovery, people who have gone through recovery themselves, and then bite-sized pieces from myself and Ari. So keep it busy over there. Oh my goodness. You guys are amazing. That sounds great. I'm so excited to listen to your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jenna. I know it's been a whirlwind, <laughs> but thanks for having me. It's been an absolute joy being here. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah. I'll definitely l- listen to it. And yeah, it's, it's a learning curve, the podcast game and everything for sure. Yeah. I've got all the gear and no idea. <laughs> I know. It's so fun. Well, awesome. So thank you so much, Cassie. I appreciate you being here. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode. And I will talk to you guys soon. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes to learn more about my Honor Your Hunger and Fullness mini course. I know you're going to love it. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at balance.nutrition if you do have any questions. 